Welcome to another episode of the Weirdest New Black Show, and this is episode 32. 32, that's right. And today's guest is Mr. Andre Rucker. That's right, folks. Andre Rucker. He goes by kid with a camera and adult with a skateboard. <laughs> yeah, as, as you've seen. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I want to give people a quick background on how I, I met you. Now, I met you in January 2016 at a restaurant not far from here, actually. I want to say it's on 20th and Sansom. Yeah, something like that. It's on, yeah, it's 20th and Sansom, and it was for the, um, an art showing titled The Pineapple Winter Show. Correct. And... First of all, before I even got to the show, I saw the advertisements for the show, the photos. And it was like nothing I'd ever seen. Because first of all, I like fruit, okay? Yeah. And I like colors. That's so you, all that it was. <laughs> Not <laughs> much put, more than that. <laughs> you put them together, and it's like, okay, we have a nice situation here. But what I enjoyed most about those photos were the, the compositions and the stories that they told. Now... There were photos of yours, like two of my favorite ones that had names were like the Horn of Plenty uh, and yeah. the Vernal Equinox. Yeah. Like I loved everything about them. Now, how did you come up with those concepts and how did you put those things together? Um, those two were, those two were like a bigger collaboration, like um, the Pineapple Winter series and this series. Um, was Dewey Saunders and I, and then those two that you just mentioned, <clears throat> those were like a bigger collaboration that we did in the uh, like Palette Group studio. But um, I think there might have been like four or five other people in addition to Dewey and I that were uh, involved in this. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe it was just the one, I guess maybe Vernal Equinox was just Dewey and I, and then the other one with the horn, like there was a girl that, um, I just gotta remember her name, but she would do like paper art. So she made the actual physical horn. And then, um, man, I can't, I need to like see the image in front of me to remember. Uh, her name is Angela actually, okay. but um, Angela Rio, super talented. Um, but yeah, it was like all Philly people and we had all done these individual projects, I guess sort of, based around food, and then um, we kind of decided to try to all collaborate on one at the end. But I think um, I think it was supposed to be promoting like a, uh, one of those things where they deliver like the fresh fruit to your house, whatever those things are called, I can't, it has a name, I can't remember what the name is. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Because it became pretty popular around that time period. Yeah, yeah, it was supposed to be promoting one of those, so. That's what we were all there for, but that's what we ended up with. They also provided us with all the food and fruit and stuff, so that was cool. Nice. And then we ruined all of it, I guess. Because <laughs> like I saw the paint, it was just like it's toppled. I had never seen, a, was like I want to say a mauve like pineapple before. Yeah, yeah, Dewey. That's like all the colors really are Dewey. Mm -hmm. Like he, that's that's all him. Like he makes those decisions, buys the paint, and, like, figures out kind of what should be what. But, yeah, he, I guess at that time, was really into, like, the subtle colors and just kind of a lot of colors that I hadn't seen used a lot, period, ever, really, let alone on fruit. So it's pretty cool. And then we did, like, the kind of fruit melting into, like, the ground. And I guess it was basically, like, the fruit falling from the, different points of the fruit falling from the sky and then, kind of melting into the ground and becoming like the paint colors on the ground too. Yeah, it was a cool one. Now, from your perspective as being the photographer, how do you go about positioning these things? Like, as I know, I feel like every time you take a photo, the photo has to say something. How did you go about approaching the project from the visual side? Well, Again, basically, like, the... Because <clears throat> I think this might have been the third or fourth 
project that I had collaborated on with Dewey. So we kind of had our dynamic maybe and our formula. So usually what we would do is we would pre-plan things. Like I would go to his house and he has all these little sketchbooks and he will um, we'll just throw ideas back and forth. So I'll say, what about this? And then he'll draw that out. And then he'll say, what about that? And he'll draw that out. And then sometimes you know, we'll come up with a lot of things and then we'll start to combine certain ideas all together. Um, so basically what we did for this project was you know, it would be cool if like this thing was happening. It would be cool if like this was melting. It would be cool if this was falling. And it really is just out of like, uh, you know, just kind of what's the most different thing we can do? What's the most imaginative thing to do? Other than that, there wasn't too much planning about like actual story and actual message. It's, it really came from a place of just trying to do something that we hadn't really seen before, I guess maybe like in a Salvador Dali painting or something, but still pretty like different than even that looked, but that's probably like the closest thing that we've seen to that. I got into photography probably back in 09. So I was always looking at different guys in the city who were doing this, who were doing that. So when I saw your work, I said, oh shit, this is some, <laughs> this is some cool shit right now. Cause I remember there was a picture, and I believe maybe in a promo image, for the show, and it was a pineapple was thrown yeah. over the head of like a Rocky statue. Yeah. And I said, yeah. I said, yeah. I said, I like that. Yeah. And I, I kind of wonder, like, I wonder how many times they tried that photo to get us to get it right. Yeah, that one actually worked pretty quick. I think, like, th th we did. Um, so we did one like in the middle of City Hall. So we just threw it up in the middle of City Hall, and then you get like a really low angle, so it looks like the pineapple is like like an airplane. Like it looks so high up, but it's just kind of like a angle trick um that one kind of took a long time i think we did one over the like love mm -hmm. sculpture um i think we did another one on the parkway but yeah we were just went out tossing pineapples all day but uh i think it worked out i think it looked cool we were trying to figure out a way to promote the show because i kind of felt like people have shows all the time people would promote them on instagram all the time and um I just, I guess I just get bored to death all the time. So I thought it would be interesting to try to take the elements that were in the photo mm -hmm. and make it a real life element and like almost make, basically make new images just with the purpose of promoting the show, but kind of maybe putting more effort into those promotional images than we should have or than any sane person would ever do but you know that was kind of our thing we're just like gotta go out and do it gotta make it crazy you know, it was it definitely was crazy because <laughs> like i, I kind of feel like throwing pineapples in the air is kind of also like stress relieving too it's like hey yeah you gotta catch it that's right pokemon style um so i saw recently congratulations to you again on your recent cover for runner's world thank you and again I love the colors, and I love how uh, I, I love the shot and composition. Thank you. So, what did you want to? What was the story behind that? In terms of what were you trying to? What message were you trying to push with those photos? So, um, again, this is another one where, like, you know, there's a creative director who's, I guess, you could say, was kind of the head of the whole operation, um, Jesse Sutherland. And then there was the, I guess, art director, Amy Wolf. So um, you could say it was kind of like between the three of us. So similarly, um, the creative direction that I had gotten was that they didn't want it to look like product photography, which would just be kind of like a shoe on maybe like a white or like just a plain color. So they wanted some kind of texture they wanted it to not look like it was in a clear place. Like you couldn't really tell where it was, just kind of that, um, not really an abstract feeling. That's the, like the wrong word, but um, you know, just kind of you couldn't tell what, where it was, just kind of similar to like the fruit stuff. Like you can't really tell what, you know, universe this is taking place in. And um, so we had actually tried one that was just on like colored paper and then um, I guess Jesse saw that and 
you know, I, maybe that looked a little bit too much like product photography. And then he, um, I guess, challenged me to try to do something else. So then I um, was trying to figure out some textures to use, and we kind of ran through some different colors. And um, the texture that I did use uh, ended up being ceiling tiles, actually. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, just painted some ceiling tiles. But it was, it was like a whole, you know, multi-week process. But it really was like a collaboration between the three of us. And then um, I guess I kind of tested a couple things. And then we all got together one day in a studio and knocked out all those covers. But it's like a group, group effort. That's interesting to me how when it comes to, like, these projects – it would take weeks and so much time just to like create the concept and trial and error yeah. just to have like, you may have, you had like two covers for that. Like four. Four covers. Yeah. So you have four covers for this magazine and it's like four shots, four single shots yeah. that came from weeks and weeks of preparation yeah. and building and breaking down and Yeah, and kind of that. just like all that and then just kind of one big day of execution at the end. You mentioned the word about like they they had to challenge you. Yeah. For the yeah. Shot. Yeah. I'd say that. Yeah. So when it comes down to your own personal photography. Yeah. And other projects, how do you go about challenging yourself? I mean, I would I would, I would still say the same thing. Um, like the stuff that I did with Dewey, I would still chalk that up as like a personal project because like nobody is really no nobody else is paying for it. We're paying for it. Um, so I would say it still is kind of that same thing where I want to say I sit down and think, but I kind of just am thinking about it all the time. Just what could I do that is a little bit different? Or I, I kind of like to combine elements of different things. So I might see one thing in one place and then, you know, yeah, maybe that would be a cool piece of something. And then I see another thing somewhere else. Like um, even for the, covers for that magazine actually i was at the skate park one day and i was just skating in the street next to the skate park and i saw a cell phone screen protector shattered on the ground and i was like that looks cool so i'm like about to take out my phone take a photo of it because um, i just thought it you know it was shattered like run over like just so so bad i thought it looked really cool and um then I kind of thought a little further and I was like, maybe this would be cool in a studio. Maybe this would be cool as like a full on like personal image, you know, like the full treatment that I do. Um, so then I didn't take the photo on my cell phone. I kind of wrote that idea down and then I have notes in my phone of just like a bunch of ideas that are sort of in that neighborhood. So I actually did it one day. I shot it. I bought to like five different places and kind of tried to figure out what kinds of screen protectors would shatter the best and then mm. I took a bunch and laid them out and tried to shatter them in like different ways to try to get like the patterns that I want so then um, you know finish up the whole image put the image on Instagram then when that creative director was um, looking at my work and kind of saying you know can we do something a little bit like this can we do something a little bit like that because that's something that um, creative directors and art directors will do a lot um, when they hire you they'll they're hiring you for you know the work that you've done, so they'll take a couple images from your portfolio and say something like this, something like that. So that image of that cell phone with the shattered screen, with like the crazy colors and the shadows, um, that was what he wanted. So like some of the shadow things happening on those covers, that was drawn from this cell phone image. That was drawn from just some garbage in the street one day. So it just is kind of like, you know, things are just giving me ideas all the time, I guess. But I'm trying to think of, like, how can I make something that I, I don't see a lot or something that I personally haven't seen before. I think that's, that's the running theme. Um, you mentioned things you haven't seen before. Yeah. And, you know, before we started recording, you had shared the story of just being, <laughs> on, <laughs> being, on, <laughs> being on the train. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned uh, there was a woman who was begging for change on the train, which yeah. is a very common thing here in the city yeah. of Philadelphia. All right, I'm going to finish the story right now. Cool. This dude 
reaches out. So he reaches out his hand. You're like, all right, his hand has like some dollar bills, like some change. Two eggs, two eggs. And she was like, all right, thank you. Just takes them, puts them in her pocket, keeps begging. Like, what's she going to do with those eggs? And she wasn't homeless. She never said she was homeless. She's just like, I'm having a hard time. I want some money. I'll take some eggs, though. <laughs> never seen that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's, I don't know. I guess that's one of the cool things about living in the city is like you will see some of the weirdest stuff. I think it's like somebody said it before, but you'll see some of the weirdest stuff you've ever seen like every day. And I, you know, I enjoy that. Now, does that specifically make me want to go take a photo of like a homeless lady in a studio with two eggs? Not necessarily, but, you know, I'm just enjoying seeing weird stuff all the time. Always, always enjoying it. Keeps on your toes. Yeah, it's, it's great. I've been told I observe too much you said you observe too much i've been told that well, well how is that possible i i don't know i disagree with the people that say that but. yeah i mean i feel like you i think you can never observe too much because i just, agree because everything is happening around you you have to pay attention to it i totally agree you know um yeah. for example uh i don't know because for me being from the city like i always have to be aware of my surroundings at all times. That's just because of the area that I come from, you know, you know how things are in certain neighborhoods, so you're, so it's, you know, it's important to keep your eyes open. But yeah, and plus there's so much going on in the city, especially right now in Center City. Yeah. Like, I swear you get hit any corner, you can run <laughs> through Rittenhouse Square Park right now, and you will see magic occurring. Yeah. And five different places at all at the same time. That's true, yeah. You know? Um, so here's a question. Because I'm not going all over the place, which is just my, my style fine. stuff. I mean, that's my style, too. Shout out to you. <laughs> you, know uh, you I want to start back from your beginnings. Okay. In terms of what got you interested into, into being a, a photographer. And also, what, cause I guess we all have all our directions. Like, some people get a camera and decide to take care of, like, be event photographers or wedding photographers. Yeah. I'm just very curious as to see how you got yeah. here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, long answer. But I'd say as far as like events and weddings and things, like I'm I'm pretty shy. So those things just make me really like anxious and uncomfortable in like a negative way. And like obviously, and I, I've done that stuff before. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I never did it, but it's just like I enjoy something about just being in a room with like two or three people and just trying to, you know, create something instead of like running around trying to, capture things that are already happening. It's like a weird feeling mm-hmm. in that scenario. I don't know. So first got into photography. Um, so I guess I got, so I got my first camera that was my own, which was like a digital camera. It's like a very bad digital camera. It was like, maybe it held 10 images or something. Like it was very terrible. It's like maybe, very late 90s or something mm-hmm. so i think i would just i don't even remember i remember shooting like stop signs and stuff like i don't think i had any real direction i was like just super young uh little kid and um so i would like skate around and like rollerblade and bike and all that stuff the kids do and just um always had the camera in my pocket and would like take photos from there and then i got really into skateboarding and I would make like skateboarding videos with my friends. So I think that maybe was when I got a little more serious. And then when I was in high school, I got my first DSLR and I was trying to, I used to draw a lot also. So there was a time when I really wanted to be like a cartoonist or something. Um, and I, I guess I just decided that for whatever reason, or maybe I was thinking about being a graphic designer too. That's like a more logical thing probably for me. Um, and then just for whatever reason, I thought, like, I'll just go with photography and not graphic design. I, I don't know why. I don't know what led me to that. But it seemed more fun, maybe. Like, you get to be out, like, doing so. Just me naive being, like, a little kid. Um, so then um, I got my first DSLR. And I started trying to put together a portfolio to send to colleges, I guess. It was, like, maybe when I was a little bit more serious, it was at least, like, I need to really, like, do something cohesive and again kind of try to do something cool so for that stuff i actually shot a bunch of stuff in my parents basement with hot lights so ironically it in a lot of ways was pretty similar to what i do now which is funny to think about because like i I don't know how those ideas got into my head like one of the first images i did i think i still have somewhere it was like uh 
house of cards. I guess I was playing with cards like in my parents' living room and I kind of stacked them up and I was thinking, oh, maybe this would be a cool photo. And I had like a super wide angle lens that I would use for skateboarding. So I was like, what if I combine this lens with this house of cards and then went to my parents' basement where it's completely black and then tried to kind of light it cool and then, because that was kind of the start. Uh, but yeah, I don't know how I arrived at that in my head, but but it's still, you know, is so similar to my process now. Like I just, I see something that's cool and I'm like, let me see if I can play with this in like a controlled environment and make something it's cool. out it's, of it. It's kind of like, like it's full circle. Yeah, yeah, it really is full circle. It's pretty fun. So, okay, we got from you being, you know, a you know, young guy, a young kid with a uh, digital camera and taking shots of stop signs. <laughs> yeah. You know, going. I wish I had those photos. I think about that a lot. I wish I had those first photos. Retrospective show. Like, yeah. Uh, this is where I came from. This is where I am now. <laughs> stop signs. I think it's really interesting that we had these beginnings and, we, you know, we had these ideas, as, you know, as kids. And it's great to see that some people are able to stick with their dreams from a young age up well into adulthood. So I look back at your work now because I was going crazy on your website. <laughs> you know, Instagram went through that. You know, I yeah. went through uh, your main website, main webpage. Yeah. And look at all the images, and I'm seeing like familiar faces. You know, some <laughs> pictures of my buddy, uh, our buddy Fabian, uh, yeah. Achilles, yeah, and shots. Yeah, those are good ones. Yeah, dope shots, really dope shots. And you got the ones of uh, at, the, at the skate park. Yeah. And you know, me reading that you're an adult with a skateboard, <laughs> kind of all day, every day. So, what does skating do for you? Because I wish that I could skate. I mean, yeah. the closest I get to it is Tony Hawk on Dreamcast. <laughs> That's so fun. Oh my god. So fun, dude. Yeah, my Ollie game was. It's great. Yeah, Moon Gravity. Yes. Yeah, that game is really good. Um, I just think it's really fun. It's just a really fun thing to do, and like I started when I was twelve, maybe, and um, just been doing it ever since. And met a lot of my good friends through skateboarding, and met a lot of great people, and went to a lot of places I wouldn't have gone. And um, I just think it's really fun and great. And I feel like people at different points, you know, people have like an issue with the skating thing. Like you're too old, you're too whatever. Or like I used to get a lot of like, that's for white kids. You can't do that. I used to get a lot of that kind of thing. But um, I just think it's fun. I think the more people that do it, the better. And I think it uh, is just great. I still do it and I don't anticipate stopping. And uh People who think I shouldn't do it, I don't care. <laughs> you gotta live your life, man. Yeah. I remember seeing Just like embrace it. As you should. I remember seeing Dave Chappelle like on a skateboard one time, yeah. dude. Yeah, on his uh black white supremacist um costume. Yeah. He was on the just skating down the hill. But I I remember seeing a shift and seeing like more young like children of color get into skating. Yeah. It's great. It was a beautiful thing. Because I remember, because me being in college, I didn't really encounter too much of that on campus. I didn't see too much of my neighborhood. But I feel like around the time when DGK started, you know, to, to get into get into the mix. Yeah. And Lupe Fiasco dropped Kick Push was when I started seeing more and more kids of color, like, getting on skateboards and just yeah. enjoying themselves. Yes. This is some cool shit. Yeah. And I'm I'm, I'm kind of glad that we got over that nonsensical stigma that it's only for white kids. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I feel like it's a, it's a natural progression. Like, I think it happens with, you know, I guess tennis and just at, at things that are traditionally associated with, you know, not people of color. I think that, you know, those barriers just come down and people just can uh, enjoy themselves. But t to me, I remember Kareem Campbell being in that Tony Hawk's Pro Skater game mm -hmm. as, you know, a black character and, you know, kids being able to digest that because kids, and that was like right around the time I started skating. So kids would say, you know, you're, you know, you can't skate because you're not white or whatever. And I'm like, look at this dude, he's in this game. He's wearing this do-rag. <laughs> <laughs> he was like so black in that game. <laughs> That's, I, th I think about that sometimes too, that like, you know, he's a black character in that game, but like, Tall T, do rag, basketball jersey. Like he's so black in that game. <laughs> so good. He really, he really dressed like that. So I don't, I don't know. It was good though. Nothing says good black call. like do rags and jerseys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
could probably go to Center City right now and see kids dressed like that on skateboards right now. And that's amazing to see how far everything yeah. has come, right? Yeah, even actually um, Stevie Williams, that guy that started DGK, mm-hmm. um, he was one of my favorite like skaters growing up, and he was another one that was cool to see, like, you know, skater of color, and he was, like, so good. So, so, so good. So, so, so good. And that actually was part of me, like, coming to Philly, because I'm from Maryland. So um, mm-hmm. that was... Uh, I had seen him skating in Philly all the time, and he was, like, one of my favorite skaters, and I was, like, you know, cool place to come skate. And then I guess we had come up here a couple times when I was in high school, and then I was fortunate enough to go to college here, and then I'm still here. So I know you spent time at FDR Park then. I, d- I did when I was younger. It's, like, not my favorite place so where do you go now now um we got a pops a lot which is like kind of fishtown kensington that's kind of small but um i just like again i grew up skating just like street like the street like just flat street so i think i didn't really skate any ramps for like years and years so i'm most comfortable just with like ledges and like the street like when love park was still skatable i would skate there when i was in college and then like city hall back before they like fixed that mm-hmm. we would skate there and like municipal so um that was always more my scene so i would just skate like around i wasn't but but i would go to fdr back then too but it's just a little it's like a little intense but it's awesome i'm glad that it's there for like people who are into that he ruined Love Park. <laughs> I mean, I understand. It's, it is what it is. I'm, I'm also glad that my age range fell into where, like, I, you know, skated Love Park a decent amount and, like, had my fun there. And now I'm a grown man and, like, I don't need to run from the cops to, like, go <laughs> skate some flat ground, you know? So right. to me, I was kind of over skating it. Like, I hadn't skated it in a couple of years and then I heard they were getting rid of it and I was like, well, I mean, it's lame, but you know, I, like I personally had my fun there and I was kind of done with it. So right. like I can understand from the city standpoint where like we would be skating there and people would just be shooting up and like doing all this crazy stuff. That, like you uh, don't really want yeah. to be going on. So like I, I understand making it nicer, but yeah, from the skateboarding standpoint, it's, uh, it's garbage now. Yep, this is the uh, the changing of the city in every way possible. More yeah. buildings, more condominiums, everything. Yeah, some fountains. Yep. <laughs> we want this park to be flat, but it's also a fountain. Nowhere to sit. I don't no know. sitting in this park. No comfort. <laughs> like, we won't give anybody any ideas here. Yeah. Goodness gracious. You know, you're not from the city. Yeah. What have you... Okay, two-part question. What do you love about being here, right? Also, what do you think about the art scene in the city as well? Well, what do I love about being here? I mean, when I was uh, maybe in high school, my parents and I would go to New York, I guess, around like Thanksgiving, Christmas, almost every year. So I'd go skate up there, and um, it was fun, but... To me, it was like a little intense. Like, I, I still like going to New York, but um, it just seemed a little intense to live there. And then to me, Philly just felt like in between the two, like way more of a city than, you know, the suburbs in Maryland that I'm from. And then not as crazy crowded and just not as crazy as New York, but still close to New York. So if you need to do some stuff in New York, just go to New York. Um, so I guess I guess that's what I love about it and then just you know normal city stuff like you get to watch people like give each other eggs on the subway and stuff (laughs) just that kind of thing and and to me it feels like I guess maybe this comes from like a skating type of mentality even from shooting um you can just get away with stuff you know like people aren't really paying attention to stuff like I know sometimes in New York and maybe in LA a little bit like they see you with a camera and some lights and maybe you need a permit or they want to give you a hard time or they, you know, want to ask you some stuff. But in Philly, like nobody knows what a permit is here. They can just do whatever you want. They'll like shut down streets for you really easy. So it, um, yeah. So I, I guess I like that. It's, it's a little bit like a light New York, but there's still a lot going on and like people are, people are cool. A lot of cool people here. Then, um, what was the other part? Other part, um, 
Also, side note, I may shut a street down <laughs> randomly for no yeah. reason. We'll tell him that's a photo shoot. Yeah, it's a photo that's shoot. That's important. Yeah. Yep, it was just me sitting in the middle of the street for a long chair reading a paper like, yes, this is my street today. Yeah, they small price and I'll do it. I'm, I'm down for it. Yeah. All right, so the second part of the city, um, of the city, of the question is that, well, how do you feel about, about the art oh, scene yeah, in the city? Yeah. The city. I mean, I think it's a little bit <clears throat> of the same answer that, you know, it's it's more affordable here just to be here in general. So I feel like that kind of helps it and helps it not be this, you know, crazy struggle or this super elite thing. Like it's a little bit easier to just come here and, and like make your art, whatever your art is. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's cool. Um, I guess maybe I should be more involved in the art scene here than I am, but, um, you know, I feel like compared to New York, the affordability is helpful, but I guess it, to me, has, like, a little bit more of a, you know, do-it-yourself type vibe. Like, you can get more resources together just for yourself here. Because I think about, you mentioned um, the word elite, and for some odd reason, that's one of the things I've often associate with the art world is like yeah. the elitist mentality yeah you know but with, with the city I feel, like you said I feel like it's an easier there's like an easier entry into the into the scene here because people don't really care about the name per se they really care about what you do which are you know which are art the art speaks for you rather than your name speaking for you and I think that's, that's what I kind of got from, like, the whole New York scene. Because I used to watch these documentaries of, like, Basquiat, Keith Haring. You talk about the, the Warhol days and a bunch of people from that time. And it became, like, pretty much all about names when it came down to legacies. Because yeah. you have tons of people who were, like, probably made dope art back in that era. But it, it seems to be now that if your name your name may supersede what you actually done. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the difference about New York versus Philly, where Philly is like, listen, you may not know who the hell made this painting, but this painting is the shit. Yeah. And you love it. Or the street art here, like that, the work speaks more for the people than the people do for their work. Yeah. I feel like people, and back to that uh, kind of era that you're discussing, I feel like people really latch on to that era in a way that I do not understand. Like, I, I get it, but I used to work at an art gallery here, and that was all that we would sell, was, was that stuff. And it was confusing to me. Because they would act like nobody's made art in the last 30 years like that was the feeling that I got there. I guess it was just a money thing. Like, they knew that Warhols would sell, so we would buy and sell a bunch of Warhols, but... It wasn't like an art gallery, like you walk in and look at art, it was like buying and it was like art, it was like used cars, but it was art. The best way to describe that, it seriously was. It reminds me of what hip hop is now. It was some young kid who was a rapper now, he might be like 18, 19 years old, and somebody mentioned the Wu-Tang Clan to him. Oh, was it uh, like Namir, Corday? Yeah. Like the YBN kids, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was watching that. Uh, two days ago, yeah. I thought that was really funny, yeah. Yeah, it was funny to me. Like, can't name a Wu-Tang song. Right. <laughs> but here's the thing is, like, I can't even be upset with him. I, much, like, I love Wu-Tang because that's, that's from my era. I'm born in 84, so, like, yeah. when I was a kid, Wu-Tang was out, Method Man, Ghostface, Raekwon, the whole nine. Yeah. But these kids now are, like, 18, 19 years old, which means we're born in 99, 2000. Yeah. Their heroes when they were like seven, eight years old, was like Soldier Boy, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. and like people were coming out in that era, like when Gucci Mane was like really hitting his stride, yeah. or other like these other trap rappers were hitting their stride. These were like their, their woo, so to speak, or their Jay-Z's, their Nas's, like that's their yeah. stuff. So it's kind of like that, it's like, there's a, a thing that people act like hip hop stopped being made after a certain era. Yeah. Or that if you're from a certain region, you still have to abide by the rules. Yeah. 
of like of what hip hop is supposed to be. I'm like, you guys are operating off of rules, off of New York rules. Yeah. These kids are like in Bumblefuck, Georgia. <laughs> you know, like they don't they're not listening to that. But I feel like also the and same thing with like photography and skateboarding mm-hmm. and music, that just like what the internet has become has just blown the top off of all of that. And like that's what we're seeing is like kid hops on SoundCloud dyes his dreads purple and he can you know just just doing whatever he wants like it doesn't matter if he doesn't it doesn't matter what he thinks about wu-tang if he knows who wu-tang was or not like he is doing the thing that he's doing and there's nobody to keep other people from listening to him like anybody can get their content to anyone and there's no gatekeeper which is like a very interesting thing to be witnessing right now just with everything now that counts what you just mentioned I like that. In fact, that the gatekeepers are no longer in control anymore. Yeah, I mean, they still have their gate, but it's like there's a whole world outside of their gate that they have no control over. They still control what's inside their gate, but there's more world now. More world to conquer. Because like you yeah. said, like, there were, there were kids. Well, well let's, let's take it back. So like, let's mention like the fashion world, for example. Yeah. Like you had to be somebody to somebody to have a footing in that. Like, if you're going to be a stylist or a designer of some sort, you had to have people around you that could co-sign and say, oh, yes, this person is the next person. They're going to blow up. Yeah. Nowadays, yeah, these kids now. Dude, all you needed, like, I remember back in 2010, 2011, you could have been, like, a 16-year-old kid who's still in high school. But if you had a Tumblr and your fashion sense was on point, your whole life could be like set up perfectly off of being retweeted or reblogged or retumbled out of <laughs> retumbled. Retumbled, you yeah. know, like to keep tumbling. Keep tumbling, you know. <laughs> Snowballed. <laughs> that's, that's what it was. Snowball effect. Yeah. Your name it be, it might be small. It might be from like uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan. But if you know how to match your, co- your clothes correctly, and you were like on the the up and up. You might find yourself living in New York, having to have a whole career in fashion within yeah. a year and a half, if that. Yeah, what a, what a time to be alive. Exactly. One of my favorite EPs, by the way, <laughs> it's a time to be alive, Drake and Future. But so when it comes down to you and your inspirations, who were some of the photographers that you looked upon as like, wow, these guys are like the shit? Um, I would say... I would say one, um, so one that I really liked was Lyndon Wade, and um, he has like a brother, I guess, that he also works with, so they go by like the Wade brothers. Um, They're still really good, like the style kind of changed, but um, I remember that being one where I kind of felt like, I guess I kind of felt like they were a little bit younger, and like I was watching them become something. So that was a cool feeling to feel like, it's one thing for somebody to be huge and then to really like their work because obviously everybody does and that's why they're huge. But I, and maybe this is just in my head and I'm completely uh, not correct, but I felt like I was watching them get bigger and bigger and it was cool to kind of be along for that ride and have that feeling. And then Robert Frank was another one that I really liked, which is more in like the fine art neighborhood. Um, it's kind of really has nothing to do with my work at all, but there just was something about his work that I really liked and I always... I never felt like it had to be so one-to-one. Like I, a lot of the work that I was inspired by wasn't really in the same neighborhood as my own work, but that's what I liked. I felt like to really put together different ideas, like it's hard to look at a bunch of stuff that's similar to what you're already doing. You're, you're not going to get anything new out of that. So I kind of like to look at Robert Frank, who was almost more of like a landscape, like black and white type of guy um some super super famous photos but um there just were things about that like compositionally and lighting wise even though i think the light was just the sun that i for whatever reason was really inspired by and then um i guess he was part of like this new topographics movement and um there's this couple um the beckers and they would do these photos of water towers um and they would go I guess all over the country and photograph these water towers and they would photograph all of them exactly the same which verbally doesn't sound that interesting but like if they couldn't get the right angle they would get 
like a forklift and like go up in the forklift to get to the exact same angle that mm. all of them are at. Like they would just do whatever it takes, like wait for the weather to be right, you know, wait to have like a light cloud cover. So the light was all the same for all of them, like crazy, crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they would kind of um, like display all of them in the grid. So it was almost like this scientific kind of uh, feeling with all the images. Uh, so that one uh, that I was into then. Uh, like David LaChapelle, I was into when I was like younger. Um, sure, there are more that I can't remember, but those those are the big ones for sure that I was into. I think of all the ones you mentioned, I probably frocked with uh, David LaChapelle. That was the yeah, one. yeah. I mean, he was he was, was super huge, yeah. Right, because he did he recently did the uh, the Travis Scott album cover. Oh, that was him. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. He did, uh, it was two versions of it. It was one, it was like kids walking into it in the daytime. Yeah. Then it was like a nighttime version that featured like uh, all kinds of people. And um, I remember like Amanda Lepore, she was like a famous like New York personality, was like featured in this, on this album cover. But the Eva Chappelle worked with like a bajillion people for like Rolling Stone and all that. Yeah. But look at, I think a lot of photography and, because, like, dude, I'm going to tell you something, man. Like, in 2009, like, 2010, 2011, that's all that I wanted to do. Yeah. I had a big-ass freaking camera back then. And it's crazy how, like, how my camera was, like, at the, at the top when it came out. Yeah. And now it's like, what? I'm like, <laughs> like baby, that was a 7D. That was a shit. It was like. Happens fast. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like a five D mark. Especially at that time, that time was that was a pretty bad time for like the turnover. Mm-hmm. It's like six months later. It's nothing. something new. Yeah, and that, but it, it taught me a lot because I remember back in uh, Philadelphia when it came down to event photography. I swear to you, this is how it went. Uh, I might go to a show, and it might be another person in the crowd who has a camera. I'm freelance doing my own thing. They're like part of like either other like 205 mag or like frequency or whatever then a year later two photographers become five then a year later a lot of you not i'm at i'm shooting a little b show right the base god himself was that um is that at the Fillmore? no this was at the tla uh i was there you're at, you're at i the was TLA. there yeah all right so you may have seen like i had a couple kids in there dressed in like chef outfits for sure Dude, first of all, let that's me so s- funny. That was, was the there. That's so, that's so good. <laughs> all in the same space at the same time, man. Yeah. And the weird part was, so first of all, that whole lineup was was weird, yo. You had Little B there, you had Chill Moody there, and you had Tone Trump opening. And I was, or he was he was there in the building. It was like it was just a, an odd thing altogether. Because uh, I think he was there in Freeway, I guess, was like up there somewhere. Hey, guest starring Freeway. He would come out, he would do the same two songs. He would do... I do remember that. Yes. Because that's how you knew it. Like, anytime a rapper came to Philly, like, oh, my main man, Freeway's here. he come out and do Flipside, and what we do is wrong. That's all he would do is just two songs, come out. Yeah, I do remember that. Thank you. And he just dip out. But I remember being at that show, and a lot of you not. I have my camera. I'm there with a press pass. I'm there to do my job. I looked up, I took a picture of B on stage. And let me tell you, in the crowd, there were way, there was like, there was a sea of camera phones <laughs> all across. Yeah. And I just said, God damn, I'm like, this shit is, it's over now. <laughs> it's over now. And then I remember, like, yo, because like, my thing is, it's cool. You have a camera phone, I'm not gonna front of you, you know? I mean, I might, yeah. but I'm not gonna go overboard. But somebody had a big ass iPad and shit, was like, Zing. I said, oh, I said, I'm five five. I can't <laughs> do shit with this. You won. Yeah. It's just interesting to see how accessible photography became. Yeah. You know, you can do things on your phone and uh, with these big ass cameras. So when it comes to the act of taking a picture, what's more important to you? Having the eye for it or the equipment? Could, it could be either. Okay. Like, I mean, probably the eye. I, I don't know. Similar to like with music or rap or whatever, like I have the way that I was trained, which I guess is kind of old school. 
and I benefit from that. And I, you know, like with that magazine cover, um, you know, I benefit in that way that I, I kind of, I know how to communicate in that way with those people who were also kind of from that same, uh, same vein that's more traditional, but I do really enjoy seeing even just some, you know, people with their cell phones that are just like super good and I'm all for it. And I think it's awesome. And I like to like see it and be inspired by the things that these kids could do that like I would never think of just kids with no training. And I I think it's cool. Like I can't hate on it at all. I think it's, uh, progressing what we do probably positively and you know any progression is progression and i feel like if if i get taken out by you know kids with cell phones like that's my fault you know (laughs) if i become that irrelevant that just somebody with a cell phone is taking money away from me then it's you know it's my fault that i'm unable to keep up in that way so i'm i don't ever want to be the guy that's like crying about people who don't know what they're doing taking stuff away from them because it's like that's your fault. It's not their fault. It's, it's like the good rappers. on them. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Just stay relevant. Don't like, fall off. Y'all don't be in the studio, huh? <laughs> I, I put money out here for the studio. You got a little studio in your bedroom, man. You ain't real. It, what it's like, yeah. how, but like technology has allowed people to do things that they couldn't do previously. Yeah, I, I guarantee you, it, it is beautiful. Because I guarantee you, these rappers who complain about stuff like that, or anyone, whether they be photographers or whatever, had access to the same technology when they were growing up. Yeah. There would be no complaints. Yeah. And for their time, that's what they were doing. Right. So I wonder, do you think anyone could actually shoot a wedding with their cell phone? 100%. I think they'd have to be good at editing. I feel like that's that's one of the things that I see. Um, I guess the people who sometimes it's hard for me to even tell like what was shot with a cell phone because there's that like uh like wi-fi just like send it straight to your phone thing so i some some people i can't really tell like if it was really their phone or not but um i think those people are just like really good at editing those photos because like if you just kind of leave them the way that they are in a lot of situations they don't come out that good but people who are really good with like the like taking it really far with the editing. Like somebody like that could shoot a whole wedding on their phone. To me, it seems like a difficult way to do it. Like it seems easier to me to have an actual camera so you can like, you know, have control over all those things and have memory cards and like all these things that to me make it easier. But I'm sure there are people that do it. I mean, I feel like it would be hard to figure out how to charge a lot for just using your cell phone because I feel like that's a tough sell. Like one of the only things you have is like, hey, I spent all this money on this camera and it's better than a cell phone. Like that's one of the things that you have to be able to say, but to show up and be like, yeah, just, you know, I got a phone, you got a phone, give me a couple thousand dollars. It's like, it's a tough sell. Yeah. (laughs) I can imagine. My my eyes are magic, so just... (laughs) Just trust me. Give me money, yeah. Pay me an eggs. (laughs) Pay me an eggs. Uh, so, <laughs> so when it comes down to, I want to say, uh, photography and these phones, because I remember when Apple started launching this campaign for the, for like their new cameras, oh, like the, the shot on iPhone. Thing. Yeah, and I would see these photos, and I said, "Holy crap! <laughs> what?" And I just, I, my mind was. <laughs> Yeah, it was a good that was a good idea on their part. I mean they're you know, they're marketing genius. Yeah. That was a really good idea. But even that, like I would say those are examples of like people that are very good at editing those photos. You gotta be. Yeah. I'm like, listen, I took a picture of the photo <laughs> yesterday and it didn't look like that, man. Like yeah. I gotta go inside your phone and manipulate different things and all that. They man. did uh I mean it, it's like kind of a different thing, but I don't know if they did it recently. Maybe it was like two thousand thirteen. They did um like the ESPN body issue, they did it all with cell phones. Like the cover, they shot it with, not with cell phones, with iPhones, and the cover was with an iPhone. I was just listening to like a what? podcast about this the other day. Yeah. That is so even, I mean, this is kind of a little bit of a different thing, but um, I used to assist other photographers for like a, a long time, actually. And I was on one job that I think was for Sears, JCPenney, Sears, I think it was Sears. And... Um, they had like this whole video crew and you know, they got the booms and like the huge trucks and like all these people and they like get the shots set up. And I, I guess they, 
were using the cameras that they would normally use, but they also had to use cell phones because that was like part of the whole thing. And I remember everybody just being like, this is the end. <laughs> like, this is it for me. <laughs> like everybody's just so sad that like this, this is their life. The, they got to shoot stuff on cell phones, but hey, whatever. Like if they're hiring you to do that and they're paying you to do it like that, then that's what you got to do. But yeah, I think it's cool. Yeah, it's great. I actually, actually, no, never mind. All right. <laughs> I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to give this uh, idea away for free here, so I'm not going to yes. say this. One. Please keep the secret. <laughs> you know, coming soon. In fact, coming soon to a world near you. Yeah. Okay, so this show, you know, of course, is called the Weirdest New Black Show, and I'll be remiss if I didn't ask you, what is your weird? What is my weird? Everything? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess that can apply to like what do you do differently? How do you how do you like, what, how do you think differently? What allows you to think differently, like in terms of like your experiences, you know? I mean I would maybe this is corny, but I'd say that like I used to skate all the time like all day long, every free second that I had, like I would watch skate videos before school every day, come home, watch skate videos, go skate. So to me in a way, thinking about spending all my time like that when I was a kid in like middle school, high school, and then thinking about what I do with photography now, I think about how, you know, there's a space like say, uh, Love Park or a city hall that's for sitting or hanging out or like walking through whatever. And as the skater, you approach this area that's meant for one thing and you think like, how can I repurpose this for skateboarding? Like what can I do with this skateboard to repurpose this space? You see a set of stairs and you're like, you know, go up the stairs, go down the stairs, you see the handrail, like what can I do on this handrail? So to me, I feel like having that mindset for so long helps with the photography because in a way what I'm trying to do is the same thing. I'm trying to take, or Dewey and I were trying to take a banana and, and repurpose this banana. You know, everybody sees bananas, everybody, you know, has apples every day, but like, what can we do with this that is not the everyday? So t to me, it's a very similar mindset where as a skater, you're walking down the street and wherever you are all the time, you know, inside of an airport and you're just like, man, it'd be cool if, if I could skate inside this airport, if I could like do this over there. And then it, I, feel like as a as a photographer or me as a photographer i feel the same way where i'm like oh this corner looks cool like that light is cool could i recreate this light somewhere else or the way this is bouncing off of that and these colors here or even just you know something that got run over in the street so i guess to me i feel like those two things are pretty connected and then same with maybe even like a kind of a determination that skateboarding takes kind of because skateboarding is mostly just messing up the tricks like you just mess up all the time mm. and then you know, you're learning and you learn how to do one thing and then you move on to another thing that you just mess up over and over until you learn it. So I feel like that kind of mentality is helpful for photography because it's, it's difficult. <clears throat> All these things that we've learned about you, Mr. Rucker, in terms of dream projects, like what will be the ultimate project to, for you to pursue? via photography um well sidebar one of the photographers that i was very uh i don't know if influenced by is the word but that i really looked up to that i thought was just like awesome kind of earlier when i started out was miles aldridge so it's gonna upset me if i did not say the name that i couldn't remember earlier i remembered it and it's miles aldridge mm -hmm. but um Dream project, dream project. So people ask me what maybe my dream job would be or like my dream situation. And I say to shoot whatever I want and then just have money fall out of the sky. <laughs> like that would be great. Um, anything shy of that is, you know, it's fine. But dream project. It's a great question. <laughs> think about that for a second um i mean 
dream project. I feel like I've gotten to work on a lot of good projects, honestly. I mean, I really like photographing shoes. So those covers from Runner's World were like pretty great. But man, dream project it is such a good question that I wish I had an answer for, but I don't. Which is the answer in itself, which means after this interview, you can think about it. It's true. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's true. It's an ongoing thing. Yeah. Awesome. So before, you know, we cut the interview down, I want to uh, get any lasting thoughts from you. And most importantly, where can we, the listening public, well, I don't know how I can say we if I'm doing an interview, but whatever. You know <laughs> what I'm trying to say. Like, how can, how can the listeners yeah. <laughs> find you? Uh, AndreRucker.com or on Instagram, AndreRucker. That's me. That's Some nice. photos. So what do you want your work to say about you? What do I my work to say about me? Yes. I guess just uh, the same thing that I keep saying on here that I just, you know, hope that it is to some degree a different experience, just a different visual experience and maybe, you know, one or two things that people hadn't thought of or hadn't seen before are just a little bit interesting. Like I feel like With Instagram, we have a lot of content all the time, and you kind of have like a lot of, I don't call it bad content, but I feel like it's a lot of boring stuff happening. So hopefully my work is less boring, maybe, <laughs> I guess is my, my hope. Your work is definitely not boring. <laughs> I try, I'm trying to have it not be boring, for sure. Your work is on point, man. Definitely Thank a you. big fan of it. Cause, uh, Thank you. You know, once I saw the Runner's World cover, I said, this is fire. And I remember like, work that you did with, with Dewey, I said, this is fire. <laughs> you know, I went to the website and saw what you did. I'm like, man, I said, this is, in my opinion, I feel like you're one of the most creative photographers that I've met in this, you, you know, because I've seen, like, different people do, like, you know, their stuff here, their stuff there, but, like, I feel like what you've been able, able to capture and what your, the story with, with the images, what I'm able to, to get from them, is like, it's nothing that really comes close to it. So, you know, it was definitely ha it's an honor to have you on the show because I'm a fan of what you do, man. And thank you. I'm looking forward to seeing what else you can do. Thank you, thank you. And will do in the future. Well, I'd also like to say, as I had mentioned assisting earlier, but I got to uh, work for a lot of very talented photographers when I was a little bit younger. So um, got a lot of, I don't want to say maybe guidance is the wrong word, but I learned a lot from being having being fortunate enough to have the opportunity to work for some really very talented photographers like um that espn body issue um like we got to work on a couple of those actually like i wasn't shooting it i was working for like a couple other photographers that were shooting it but um it's very fortunate to be able to be in the presence of uh, some of the people that i've been able to work with so it's not it's not all me it's you know True that. I'm learning from others. Because we are all students of the game. Yeah. Constantly learning. Yeah, for sure. That's important. Yes, indeed. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Dogs, cats, and whoever <laughs> is, uh, is listening to this podcast. My main man, Andre Rucker. Episode 32 of the Weirdest New Black Show. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. Peace. Later.